Welcome to the 11th episode of The Swedish Winger. I'm your host, Lars, and uh, on today's episode I will discuss Marco Kasper and uh, his part in the development camp, the free agent frenzy, and uh, the Detroit Red Wings roster. Watching a lot of the comments on Casper um, as he took part in the development camp was kind of interesting to someone who's watched him a lot that there there seems to be a lot of surprise that he skated so well and he moved so well that he did so well in the um, three-on-three tournament the maturity of his game and so on which to me kind of shows that a lot of the negativity surrounding the pick of Casper was more of an emotional attachment to another player, thus not wanting Casper to be the pick. Probably you wanted someone else, and and Casper became an instant disappointment since he was the guy who was um, was picked by the Detroit Red Wings, and uh, and that's why some of the the initial reactions were negative. Because the longer the development camp was going, more and more people were impressed by Casper both on and off the ice um, he seems like a guy that's growing on on a lot of fans with his mannerisms and and how he conducts himself in interviews as well as his play on the ice and um, how engaged he is when they were doing the drills and all that as I've stated before when it comes to Casper I said that he ha- he really has no weakness in his game He's very mature in his game and how he plays. He just has to... Well, he naturally has to become stronger, but right now he's not weak. So I think that he has to be basically better overall. All the skills he already has has to sharpen even more. And and there was a rumor going around, and it originated from... um, Sean Simpson of TSN that said that he spoke to someone who said that Casper was going to play with the Ottawa 67s. And I understand in a way that you have to report it if you hear it from a source you trust. But not very long after he had spoken to someone else who said there was zero chance that that he was playing in Ottawa. In the OHL also, so... That's a huge step down from the SHL. For fun, I used to say that steel sharpens steel. That's an old adage. But putting Marco Casper in the OHL, considering where he is right now and how well he did in the SHL last year, that would be like putting steel in vanilla ice cream. Marco Casper has very little to learn playing in the OHL. I would say it's very likely that Marco Casper holds down a center position, probably even in the top six, at least in the middle six in the SHL, with a team who's ready to contend for the the championship. That's a league that's on par, if not better, with the AHL, better than the AHL. And um, I think you find a couple of players in the AHL naturally who are better than most players in the SHL but looking at the whole league I think the SHL has the higher quality overall there are worse players in the AHL than you ever see in the SHL 
but the um, the tip of the spear, if you wish, might be slightly stronger in the AHL because you have some an amaz- some of the most amazing talents outside the the NHL owning their craft in the AHL. So it's hard to compare. I reckon Marco Casper is. Uh, a guy who has no weakness, and I've said before that it's not like he's a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. It's more that he masters everything, and all those skills he already has, he has to hone them further. And I think the SHL from one more season uh, with Ragle trying to win the, the championship is exactly where he needs to be. Probably he'll play with Theodor Niederbach, the f- former Federal on the player, who's also drafted by um, the Detroit Red Wings in somewhere in the middle six role. That's where I, I predict him being. I wouldn't be too surprised if they put Niederbach and Casper in the, on the same line or uh, on the second and third line split them up with some veteran players to guide them along the way. So that's pretty much all I have to say on Marco Casper. We added eight free agents during the free agent frenzy. It surprised me a lot that we were going kind of all in on on free agents, at least the amount of free agents. But we landed what I suspect will be our second line center in Andrew Kopp and um, most likely uh, Moritz Seider's defensive partner in, in Ben Charot. We got our right shooting Uh, forward with uh, David Perron who I hope can perform outside St. Louis this time around we got winger uh, Dominic Kubalik who's I almost said who's the second coming of Giri Hoodler and I think I'm gonna stick to that he's an offensive player he shoots a lot he's pretty much Giri Hoodler I think he'll end up as a a bottom six winger for for the Red Wings in the long run this season, but um, if he performs well, he might also be a, a nice trade ship for the um, trade deadline. We also got defenseman Ole Matta and um, Mark Pisik, and um, I think those are pretty much insurances. Because I do think we have better players in the lineup. But maybe they are supposed to work their way into the lineup. We also have Jake Wallman who's injured. Which means uh, that opens up a spot. Also added were Matt Luff and Austin Charnick. Who I do think will end up in the Grand Rapids Griffins. But back to the, um, the defensemen. This pretty much means that the Red Wings have 11 defensemen in their squad if you count Jake Wallman who's going to be on IR to begin the season probably Mark Pisik I've seen enough of to be surprised that we got him I don't think he'll move the needle much either way I think he'll be an improvement on the bottom pairing or the seventh defenseman also, Olimata was a guy I'm a little bit surprised that we got because I saw him plenty in when he played in Pittsburgh and that was really bad. I think he had a hard time coming back after removing that tumor in his neck that he had 
and I have friends who support the Penguins who were quite happy when they finally dealt him. He ended up in Chicago, I think, and then in in the Los Angeles organization. And then to us, in all honesty, I haven't seen him much in the um, Kings jersey. But nothing I've seen from him indicates more than he's he's an upgrade on Ole Olevi. I do not agree with the idea that he should be in the first or second pairing because he's very much not good enough for that even if he has numbers from the Kings that support him being this defensive stalwart I strongly disagree I think he is a guy who should have limited numbers on a bottom pairing but we'll see I might have missed some kind of developmental quantum leap while he was in Los Angeles and um, I would be happy to be proven wrong. So the Red Wings defense core right now is Ben Sherrod, Simone Edvinson, Philip Ronek, Steven Kampfer, if you've got him, uh, Gustav Lindström, Oli Matti, Jordan Osterley, Mark Pisik, Moritz Seider, and Albert Johansson. That means, as I see it, that the two best left-shooting defensemen in the organization are both rookies and Swedish because Simon Edvinsson is easily the best left shooting defenseman we have right now and um, Albert Johansson would be the second best but I reckon also that it would be hard running two defensemen rookies at the same time as you're trying to build a team with a new coach so I would suspect that at least Albert Johansson will have to start in the Grand Rapids Griffins but I would also be extremely surprised if he didn't shine in the AHL and get would get a call up quite urgently or quickly, if you wish. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, naturally, this is a, a philosophical question because I don't know how Eichmann will will run this team this year, and he might want to win the championship with the Grand Rapid Griffins. And load up there and let um, Albert Johansson, Jonathan Berggren, Elmer Söderblom and uh, Pontus Andreasson stick in the um, Griffins organization going for a championship. I do think that Stephen Kampfer will be waived quite fast for the motion to the AHL. I don't think anyone will pick him up, so I, I'm not too worried about losing him anyway. But looking at the team, I think that um, Jordan Osterley and uh, Gustav Lindström should be quite concerned regarding their spot on the NHL team. And I think that a guy who will be talked into a lot of trade proposals this year, aside from Philip Sadina, will be his countryman. Philip Ronick. I'm not that like we have to trade Philip Ronick, but I don't think you trade the guys you just sign on free agency, and most of the other guys are the rookies and Sider. So the one, the three guys that are likely to be moved either to the Griffins or to another team are Osterley, Ronick, and uh, Gustav Lindström, since Wallman is injured. Because we can't run a team with 11 defensemen, that, that doesn't really work. 
I think a couple of them have has to go. But like I said, Camfer is most likely uh, an AHL defenseman. But still, we have to rotate people out as well. And sitting behind the defensemen are, are Villehuso and Alex Nedeljkovic, which are, in my book, two very competent goalkeepers. I think we have one of the most promising goaler tandems in the league right now. That might be a bit of a homerism naturally, but I think that's a very, very strong tandem. And if you add Juho Olkinora to that, who we signed on a one-year deal and put most likely in the Grand Rapids Griffins, barring injuries, we have three really competent goalies. And I would say that I wouldn't be that surprised if Iceman chose to cash in on at least one of them eventually. Unless, naturally, he's doing what I said earlier, that he might be going for the AHL Championship with the Griffins and putting the national team goalie for Finland in the the Griffins would give them quite an edge. He's a very competent goaltender, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if he sticks in Griffins and they keep him there for the full year, unless they get an offer they can't refuse, naturally. Looking at the forward core, I'm um, I'm looking at guys like Adam Ernie. I'm looking at guys like Giovanni Smith, Pius Suter, possibly even Michael Rasmussen. As if they don't stick, they will be traded. Yes, Robbie Fabry is injured and on IR for the start of the season, and probably a fair bit into the season. But I really do think that unless the organization has spoken to Jonathan Barigirian about going for the championship in the AHL and possibly getting moved up during the season, I think there should be room for Jonathan Barigirian in the NHL team. But looking at the uh, the forward core, it's also a fact that most of them are in their prime right now. A lot of our players who are in the forward core, barring possibly Lucas Raymond, are pretty much at their peak or really going into their peak right now and um, this is pretty much as good as they will ever be so to get Jonathan Bergeren into the team he has to supplant one of those players I think that if you look at Jonathan Bergeren and you look at having a spot on the fourth line it's better to have him in the Griffins but if he can get a fair amount of ice time on the third line with a center like um, Pia Suter, for example, or maybe Oskar Sundqvist. I think that that's a, a, a really interesting spot to watch him. Possibly Jo Valeno uh, is another guy who could play a third line center with Jonathan Bergerian, possibly with like David Perron on the wing, which would be extremely interesting to watch. But Jo Valeno is also a guy that you wonder where he sticks and how he sticks and if he sticks because to me he's young enough to to still be interesting but he also needs to improve his game a little bit further and I would like to see him in a third line center role and I hope he manages to get that because I don't know what he has left to prove in the AHL and I don't think he is the guy we'd want for the fourth line center role going forward either. So it's going to be interesting to see where 
where Joe Valeno ends up in all this. Because as crowded we as we are on the uh, defensive side, we're equally crowded on the, on the forward side. And I think Steve Eisenman kind of hinted that there were trades he wanted to do. I like to uh, to get some new um, um, picks back to the organization. And uh, again, I don't think you trade guys you just signed. So Giovanni Smith, Michael Rasmussen. Yeah, naturally, Philip Sadina's name will come back up because he's such an enig- enigmatic player. A guy, you you see the skill, you see the the uses of him, but he just can't put the puck in the net. Also, when I look at this team, and you consider that Lord Elmer, the towering behemoth Söderblom, will most likely be in the AHL, he do have qualities that means that he could actually play in the NHL he's better than some of our players that will play games in the NHL this year so yeah fair enough put him in the AHL to start and put him there if you're really going to going for the championship but also if we're going back to the ideas of over ripening or ripening players in the AHL it's a, a very fine line until the rot sets in and overripen is rotten instead. Because as much as Americans and, and Canadians are used to the AHL stuff, to play in the AHL for a longer time, waiting for their opportunities and such, a lot of Europeans don't like that, and they might not even accept that, and rather go home to play in their domestic leagues instead you might see eastern europeans like czechs and slovaks go back to to their respective countries or or sign in the swiss league and swedes going back to the shl so it's a fine line and once the rot has set in i think it's very hard to get a guy who wants to go home to change his mind so i'm not that confident that overripening players in the AHL is the way to go especially not with the Euros because um, they have alternatives and sure you might say that the Red Wings control their their destiny and where they play but it's rarely a good idea to keep a player who's unhappy on a team where he doesn't want to play just look at for example um, Lias Andersson who was uh, drafted by the New York Rangers and put into a difficult situation at the start and then demoted to the AHL where he didn't want to be which ended up he ended up going home to to Sweden I think he played with the with the HV71 before his rights were traded to the LA Kings and now he's a a bit part player for the for the Kings a third fourth liner which was possibly his his uh, destiny all along to be a third or fourth liner but you know when the rot sets in and they want to go home it's it's a very difficult thing to change and that's where some players i, I mean we have to look at these guys as as what they are they're young men in a new country and playing in the AHL for many of them is a, is considered to them a failure so they rather go home and play in the top league in their home countries and it's it's a part a part of it is actually how they are coping with this mentally and there is no such thing like suck it up and earn your spot or 
whatever because once the homesickness sets in and you want to go home to your friends and family and you don't want to be in in Grand Rapids, Michigan playing, I don't know, in the ass end of nowhere uh, on away games, I can see why that would would rub a lot a lot of the young guys the wrong way so but i do also think i mean the red wings is such a professional properly run team that i doubt that this will ever become a problem but i'm just worried because i know there's it's a fine fine line with some of these young kids where they don't think it's worth it to sit in the ahl waiting for an opportunity with a team that keeps signing older players. And I mean, if you're, let's say if you're Jonathan Bergen and had a, a point-per-game season in the AHL after a really slow start, you had some some really good seasons in the SHL, you got to play with the Swedish national team, and you're being looked over for players like Giovanni Smith, Michael Rasmussen, Robbie Fabry, Adam Ernie, not to say that Robbie Fabry is a bad player, not at all, but I do think that some of these young kids are already better than those I mentioned. I would say that El Masyad Gomorred is better than most of them. And you, if you look at like Pontus Andreasson, for example, who had 18 goals in 52 games and 20 assists for 38 points and was a point-per-game player in the playoffs for Lulio, I don't think he'll be too happy just sitting in the AHL. I do think he'll accept it if they are actually going for the the cup for the AHL, um, the Calder, Calder Cup. And um, sure, but he is good enough to play for the Red Wings. And I do think that we'll see Albert Johansson get a couple of games in. I think we will see Pontus Andreasson get a couple of games in during the season because some trades will happen. I don't think you look at the Red Wings roster and think that this is good enough to go into the season with with these these huge rosters. So there will be space made, but I do think we'll we'll see them somewhere cr- along the season. I really really hope that uh, El Masyadblom gets off to a flying start and proves how good he really is in the AHL and I hope he gets his games at the end of the season as a reward for a good season in the AHL. So he'll be ready for for NHL duties next year. It's going to be very interesting once the, um, the camp starts and we can see how it starts to crystallize itself. So we can see where Lalonde is putting his um, chips down and thinking that like this is how I want to form, form the team. And... Um, one would think that he keeps the Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond line since they they are working, but he might have totally different ideas about spreading the wealth or whatnot. So we'll see where we'll end up. But um, there will be trades. There will be. I don't think this is the roster we go into game one with. There will be a lot of changes. I think that a couple of names we don't mind. Leaving the team will, will will leave the team, and I think there will be a couple of names we really don't want to lose will be exchanged for high picks or younger players. We've we've traded Tyler Bertuzzi on all our pods. Everybody doing pods have traded him everywhere. 
uh, even to Canada. So, sure, uh, that might be an option. I have no idea. I like the guy hockey-wise. I know nothing of him besides his vaccination ideas. But that's all up to him, I guess. I wouldn't be too surprised uh, if Pia Suter ended up traded either for some kind of picks just to um, fill the cupboard for a deep draft ne- next year. We have a deeper team now, so we can do something. Um, get get some players out without sweeping the legs of the rest of the teams. Because um, we have a huge squad. It's um, It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what what we get for our players going down the line and it's going to be so interesting to see where Lalonde and his staff sees the strengths and weaknesses of the current team because um we're we're in for a ride that's that's pretty much where where I am on this we're we're looking at a roster that it's way too big but not unmanageably big also it's going to be interesting to see Lalonde's tactical dispositions of this team. How does he want to play and how does his strategies differ from what we've seen with Blashill? Will we still do red line to um, blue line drop passes with our uh, zone exit, exits and entries? We'll see. I mean... I think we'll see more of a high-speed game. I don't think we'll see the defensive dump and chase as often as we've seen. And um, for all those who were screaming that Blashill never got a shot with a decent roster, I would say that Lalonde starts from a better position than Blashill left, if you look at these ro- this roster. So, sour grapes, I guess. So basically my ideas for for next season as of now is that I hope that Simon Edvinson gets to play from the get-go with the big club in the NHL because he's right now the best left-shot defenseman we have on the team on the roster. I hope Albert Johansson gets to play a couple of games after a good AHL stint. Same with Elmer. And I really hope that Jonathan Bergeron sticks in a middle six role straight from the start. And I also think that this is a roster with a coach who will not get blown out ten times this season. I don't think we'll ever concede more than six goals during the whole of this season. Not even once. We will not lose where we have conceded seven goals. That's my prediction. And I don't think we'll lose where we are more than four goals behind the team that beats us. Not even once. So that's it for me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I think I got most of the questions from the from Twitter in on the uh, in the general discussion. And I thank all of you who uh, had some questions to ask. So cheers. And uh, until next time.